Uh, listeners, be advised that this podcast will be a little longer. Welcome to another episode of Cookies and Cream. My name is Raymond. My name is Isaac. And we're doing Healing Part 2 with Pastor Glenn. All right, so uh, Pastor Glenn, Part 2. Good morning to everybody. Good morning, good morning. So here we are, part two, um, you know, healing. It was a, it's a long segment, a long, lot of stuff to go into, a lot of avenues. So uh, we decided to do two parts of this. I'll start it off. Last week, we were an, you were answering some questions on your experiences and, and what you know about healing and, um, and that aspect of your ministry. So I'll just start it off today, uh, a little more in-depth question. There's a story in the Bible where, where you know, Jesus is walking through. The, there's a lady uh, with an issue of blood. And she goes, you know, and she's doesn't really want to ask, uh, you know, stop everyone and, and ask Jesus. So she just touches his garment and she says, you know, if I just touch his garment, that'll be enough. And Jesus says, like, when she touched his garment, you know, did somebody did somebody touch me because I felt power flow out of me? You know, the the disciples were like, what are you talking about? There's people touching you all over the place like you're walking through a crowd. I guess what my question is, is healing... Um, is it physically draining? And what's your, I guess, take on that scripture where where God, where Jesus specifically said, you know, there's I felt power flow through me. Yeah, I think um, a couple of things is number one, it really shows you the essence of a person's faith that moves and touches God. And so, obviously, the woman was desperate. She had tried every measure for uh, getting well. But she was convinced that if she could just touch the hem of his garment, she could be healed. And so I think it's the essence of faith when it comes to people's healings. I mean, it really is the number one factor uh, that's at work. And, and then the fact that, you know, here's the throngs of humanity surrounding Jesus, but yet he knew when true faith touched him. And it initiated the flow of God's power. That's a pretty profound thought. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what your need is, true faith can initiate the power of God on your behalf. Um, and as for the, the, the part of draining, I think all ministry has a, a draining element. You're, you're spiritual in your makeup. You know, just, just preaching two sermons on a Sunday and ministering to people, whether it's counseling or praying with them after a service, you're at the end of the day, you're drained, you know? So yeah, I would, I, I don't, I rethought that scripture in light of what Raymond mentioned last week. And um, I don't think my first thought now is it drains something from you, but it initiated the flow of God's power. But yes, just the experience factor, just as a longstanding preacher, uh, when you minister, like in a revival, especially you're doing minimum Sunday morning through Wednesday, you're coming every night, and, and the whole basis of your ministry is really the preaching just sets the stage for ministering at altar, and you're very drained. To refill, it's obviously your prayer life, the Word of God, refreshing in, in Christ, no doubt about that. When it comes to healing, you pray for someone, right? They go up, say they have back issues. And usually, I've seen this happen before, they go up, they get prayed for, and then they go home 
and a week later you ask them how they're doing and some they say oh the pain is back or oh, my sciatic hurts again or whatever instance happens there they got delivered at the altar there's no doubt about that you can see the deliverance they're bending over they're able to walk perfectly fine they say they got delivered they feel great but still yet a week later it seems like they have that same issue come back again and i mean they could have tweaked it or something like that thought that they felt so great they go to the gym and deadlift 200 pounds or whatever what about keeping healing because i know you there's that aspect of the also the person going up to an altar yes having the faith to be healed but then keeping that healing what what is that process like what would you tell someone you need to also keep that yeah i've um i've made this a very um definite aspect of praying with people because i've watched it happen so many times where people have lost their healing or lost their deliverance you know healing and deliverance is a contended dimension okay there's a spiritual element involved you have to contend for um and many times you know people come and they have the faith to be healed but they don't have the dominion to keep it and and that's the issue and so you know, you coordinate a preacher that has dominion in faith and a person that has faith, and you're going to get a healing. But what happens when they walk away is a different story. So I always tell people, I mean, it's probably 90% of everyone I pray for now, I say, it's your dominion. And I'll say it throughout a revival. I've made it a feature. Almost every sermon, I sound like a broken record. You have to keep dominion. And the reason I do that is because I'm trying to put it in their heads because I want to see people maintain because the devil will. Absolutely. It's the, you know, you think about when the devil contended over the body of Moses. What's the big deal with that? Well, that's the contended arena is the human body, the physical makeup. Um, that's where the devil really wants to attach himself and fasten himself to and, um, and so there's this arena that you have to establish the dominion, and it's got to be your dominion. And I always tell people this in particular, okay, if it tries to come back, and I don't, I'm careful because I don't want to make it sound like a statement of unbelief, but it's just a reality that you've seen too many times. If it tries to come back, you pray exactly the way we just prayed, and it'll go away, and it'll now be your dominion, and now it's not going to be able to come back. So that's the simple answer, but that's the most commonly thought through one that I approach it with. And Pastor Mitchell has a whole chapter in his book on keeping your healing. So if anybody's listening wants to read that, it's well worth your read. One of my favorite uh, scriptures or stories in the Bible is when, um, you know, Jesus, uh, the disciples are trying to you know, cast out a demon, the boy uh, that they're trying to cast out the demon from, you know, the father says he has convulsions, he throws himself into the fire and stuff like that. And then Jesus, they, they can't cast the demon out. And Jesus said, well, this kind is only cast out through prayer and fasting. So my question, first of all, is that was a demon spirit, but are there certain sicknesses? Are there certain things that are directly tied to demonic spirits? And then another one, uh, like a two-part question, you know, Jesus said this kind can only come out through prayer and fasting. Like, why Why was that something that needed more attention, you know? Yeah, so, uh, you know, all healing is dealing with the spiritual. 
If you don't grasp that, you won't find a lot of success in it. Every, no matter if it originated from a spiritual reason or not, a spirit fastens to any any sickness in your body and begins to drive it. That's the bondage element. So whenever you're praying for somebody, you're not just praying, God, take away this sickness. You're commanding a spirit to leave their body. I think that, you know, if you if you just read your Bible with that in mind from beginning to end, you'd see that theme as a pretty consistent theme, especially in the New Testament, because it reveals it more. And so, yeah, you're dealing with demonic entities, you know, mostly fastened to. Okay, they fastened to. That's the way Pastor Mitchell's always described it as well. Uh, and then, you know, there's a reality that not all demons are the same. They're they're different. They're they're different levels of demonic activity. And I can only gather that in this particular scripture, whatever the the demonic element that had taken hold and the you know where he got it and all that, that it was a strong one. Now uh, I can just tell you from experience. Uh, of engaging demonic powers that had let, literally gotten inside of people. I can tell you of one right now, and it was the most, it was as strong as I've ever been up against. And again, we're, you know, I wish we were, I, we were where Jesus was, where he cast him out with a word. It took us 30 minutes, you know. And so, but nevertheless, I've never, I mean, the strength of that demon that took over this guy. And in the moment, I'm still seeing it before my eyes right now as it seized him and, and me and another preacher were there and we were, you know, trying to get this thing out of him. I can tell you that demon was stronger than any other. And I can tell you of 10 or 12, at least stories of demons that have seen cast out over the process of the years. And so there are definitely stronger demons that require more dominion, that require more consecration, thus fasting and praying and I believe all that means is it's a lifestyle of yours, that you've developed a lifestyle of prayer and fasting to, you know, bring yourself into a greater dimension of dominion, that when you're up against those things, you have the dominion for whatever level you're dealing with. So that would be my my take on it. Okay. That's interesting. Do you, do you think... Um... Like the disciples, do you think maybe that they were just with Jesus all the time, so they thought like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll hear you, I'll heal your son, but Jesus, like you're saying, it, it requires more. Is that kind of yeah, what you're saying? Yeah. Well, think, okay, think about it. So, so we've been taught two phrases: the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus, and they, and they are the two phrases. They're the two things that the spirit world recognizes: the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus. But it can become just a cliche or a statement. Those alone aren't what does it. It's those through a Holy Spirit-filled, dominion-filled Christian. So I'm sure, you know, it's happened to me before and anybody else that steps into this arena that there are times you go in and you don't, you're not necessarily saying, oh, I got this, but you're really kind of, you're, you're, you're treating it too common. And, uh, and you think that, you know, you've seen that one, so you can see, and, and then it's a slap in the face. And, and you go through a period of dryness. You pray for anything, and nothing gets healed. And you're like, okay, God, I, I need to get back to where we need to be. So I think, that, you know, there's maybe some familiarity, perhaps 
they didn't know that in that case the depth of what they were up against, and therefore, I guarantee the next time that they uh, were up against it, they were ready for it. But, but yeah, it's real easy. It's real easy to take for granted and just think that it's it, it is nothing we do, and that sounds just so cliche-ish again. But it is nothing we do in the sense of the actual healing or deliverance. You know, we're just a vessel. And you know, we're talking about spiritual aspects, but I wanted to get your take on also, I guess, physical aspects as well. You know, going to the gym, watching what you eat, um, the type of, I guess, lifestyle that you do live. Does that also play a pole, uh, a role in, I guess, your not healing, but how your, I guess, state of of life will be like if you get enough sleep and stuff like that, the way you live your life, does that also play an effect of how people come up to you and ask for healing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, take sleep for example. The reason why I take that is because I'm actually doing a whole study on it and trying to put together a sermon that has some interest, but sleep is a massive part of health. It's a, big, big part of your immune system. You know, I've come to the grips with the reality that the devil wants to access your immune system. He wants to take it over. There are lots of ways he can do this. Part of them is just that we, our lifestyle breaks us down. So, so to say, oh no, it's all faith. It's all spiritual. I think that'd be foolish. I just don't even think that's reality. Of course, healthy lifestyle, you know, doing your best to eat right or sleep right, uh, you know, keep exercise, try to keep yourself from getting too overweight. Yeah, all of those definitely play into health. I mean, you know, I mean, doctors have proven that. You know, we're still spiritual in makeup, and uh, there's still more spiritual realities that we deal with. Uh, I read something recently, and this guy, he's pretty pretty well-versed in the whole subject, and, uh, and so you can kind of connect with him, kind of like you did Pastor Mitchell, on the subject and uh you know his assessment and he's been doing this for many many years is that about 20 percent of all that we deal with was just kind of maybe a genetic thing or a lifestyle thing and 80 percent is derived from the spiritual so if that's true you know 20 percent of all the people that come to you it wasn't originating of a spiritual sense you know what I mean and so um you have to keep that in mind when you're praying for people and try to come to grips with what you're dealing with but but definitely I mean I say it over and over again yeah lifestyle is real important but you know okay so a a girl named Katie Groves she died back in May of this year she was a country singer and she was just fit she was a health freak she ate well in the gym everything in that sense was just amazing, but her mental health went down the tubes. And so she started writing on her social media a couple of weeks before her death, all her depression, you know, just dealing with all sorts of emotional mind issues. She ended up dying of alcohol poisoning. In other words, she drank herself into a death. And so here's, here's a, an example of somebody that took well care of their body. She was a very healthy specimen, but yet didn't take care of herself mentally. So there's all these different factors that you're, you're involved in that 
as Christians, you know, we need to take care of the whole thing because you can do everything in your body and have you're an emotional mess and you're still going to get all these sicknesses. You know, I've always, quote unquote, taken care of myself the same, at least since about 38 years old. Okay, pretty disciplined uh, in, in lifestyle, but yet there was a segment of time I'd get sick every year. And what it was is the stress levels in my life were so high, it was breaking down my immune system. It didn't matter how healthy I kept myself. And the reason I found that out is because since I haven't been on staff, because that's where all the stress came from, <laughs> uh, I've hardly gotten sick. You know, so that's just a, a loose answer to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, was a, that was actually, you triggered something. You said she was a healthy physical specimen but meant i didn't think about the mental part like mm-hmm. pastor stevens you pastor richard have always said read books engage your mind play chess you taught me how to play chess that's a mental i guess fitness as well as i've you got to keep your mind up as as the barriers or the you got to use it because You'll lose it, I guess. But you have to also know that what I'm talking about in the mind, that part's very true. Very true. But we're talking about what people deem as mental illnesses and stuff. Um, the, the mind is the devil's playground. That's, that's where all of your struggles begin. That's where when people fall to sin, it began in their minds. And so keeping your, you know, a bird can technically land on your head, but a bird cannot build a nest unless you allow it to it has to be able to come back again and again and well that's the same with the demonic realm it can get in your head but it only builds a nest and a place to live if you allow it to and it's a whole nother realm of this i would consider the realm of deliverance not healing because when you're dealing with the mind in that matter you're dealing almost exclusively with spiritual strongholds and i guess going off of mental health like there's this big this big movement right now that like me personally i see a lot of athletes are coming out and saying that they deal with depression and and suicidal thoughts and there's a big move around sports and and the celebrity world about keeping mental health and i think people don't a lot of people don't understand what that is and don't understand how to do it like it's a thing right now where they just say you have to you have to keep mental health. You have to be sharp mentally, but like, there's really nobody saying, do this, do this. Like, this is how you battle depression. This is how you battle this. What would you say to that? Because I know, like you said, it is, it is, it can affect you health wise. And well, they're not really treating the root of it. I mean, they're throwing pills at it. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, you know, when you praying for people all the time, you have to now ascertain what part of their symptoms is because of the medication they're taking. Is that actually the sickness or is that the manifestation of the medication? You know, because they're just throwing it left and right. Um, you know, and they will, they will treat something that's actually got a very deep demonic element and they'll treat it with some, and it just doesn't work. You know, and so uh, the world is not going to get it right because they don't understand the very deep spiritual nature of mental issues. Once the devil's hijacked your mind, he's not just going to let it go. You may get it under control and learn how to live with it and not go down the road of suicide or something, and a lot do, but 
you know, I know because my mother dealt with that on and off all her life, and it's a, it's a, um, uh, it, uh, what do we call the uh, the inherited curse that I've been exposed to because of it. it? Started in my grandfather, probably before him, and I watched. You know, now now that I'm a Christian, it watched it in that lens. I saw it differently in my mother, but it it haunted her all the way to her deathbed, and I'm certain it was it. It lent to her premature death because she finally in her mind just, it was done. Now, I watched the shift the last couple of weeks, yeah. And then it literally, it just shut down her body. It was the strangest thing how that was linked, but it's all spiritual. And just for the record, she, my mother actually had a demon. She was demon-possessed. I know that sounds crazy to say that about your mom, but it was true. And that demon came out on her deathbed, literally. That's another story, mm-hmm. but it was it was very, very evident. It's not just me thinking it. No, it was very evident, yeah. And that's what plagued her mentally all of her life. What do you think, um, why do you think a lot of people now are suffering so, so bad mentally? Because years ago, like, you didn't really hear too much people like, man... I'm having mental health issues. Like now it's more prevalent. People are talking about it. And it, it might have happened years ago, but they people didn't really talk about it. But now it seems like, man, everyone's struggling, depression, ADHD, you know, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, well, you're talking about, you know, we have to process life. We have to process pressures. And, you know, you're talking about a whole age of social media and technology and and what that plays into people's lives and approach to life and you know all the cyber bullying and just all the nonsense of the narcissism's off the charts because of youtube and twitter and the likes and the dislike and you know the the human psyche can't handle that you know it becomes so self-absorbed plus the things people are involving themselves they're more into spiritualism than they are even religion, if you would, you know, and that in itself will open the door for a whole. And so there's so many factors that are off the charts now that make people susceptible. Then there's the way they were raised. You're talking now we have for sure a whole generation that's been raised in the broken home, probably more than that now. Uh, And that whole environment of abuse and, and just keep naming it. And then you're exposed now to where before we took stands on things like uh, homosexuality and stuff that said no that there's something not right now it's fully embraced and so now people are experimenting with that and you start throwing this in and you, you, that's what you're going to get and it's it's off the charts people they need deliverance through salvation that's the bottom line you just mentioned I know I didn't write this down as one of my questions but homosexuality or like people going after the same sex or whatever they claim to be going after is that a that's a spirit, I guess, that needs to be addressed. It's more of a spiritual issue than a physical issue, right? Is that something that someone you can pray over and they be delivered from? Yeah, I think there are different, and I, I'm not prepared to say what that is because I don't know, but there are different, there are different levels of it, okay? And you can kind of see, okay, when you find, let's say you find the guy that is completely feminized from the way he walks, his, everything is just... You close your eyes and listen, or you you watch without the male face, and you think it's a woman. 
my opinion on that is the demon has taken over, that there's a demon possession involved in that level of homosexuality. Then there are other levels of people that can still be appealed to and reasoned with. And so they're all different. Some people are experimenting with it. You know, some people are full blown into it, you know, and, and, you know, the majority of people that are in it probably, probably some, something disillusioned them, some violation, something that took place or a family curse or something that confused them in the whole gender issue. And now it's so prevalent but to say it's a spirit, absolutely. At some point, a spirit certainly hijacks the whole thing and drives. That's the reason. Why, I mean, I remember there was this guy, one of the first people we, of all people that came when we were pioneering, he was a homosexual, but he seemed like he wanted to get out of the lifestyle. And so I'm working with him, but I'm dealing with him. I'm being straight. And he seems to be coming along. And all of a sudden, just from one moment to the next, he calls me and he just loses it and he just tells me off and cusses me out and all. It was a spirit that he was dealing with and and it literally took him over and that was the end of it. That was the end of him ever being open again and, and he just, you know, and I've, I could tell you that on a number of occasions that's happened. So it's obviously a whole other subject, but yeah, it's a, it's a very deep, deep intrusion of the demonic realm once somebody embraces that. And that's the reason why the bondage is so, and people get so disoriented about right and wrong. Yeah. Have you have you ever had to had to deal with someone through that probably grew up with two dads or two moms? Have you ever dealt with anybody? I, I don't. Like that? I don't think straight on. I have no. Um, not that I can remember. No. I'm just curious. On, I mean, how their life would. Oh, it's got to be chaotic, confused, just disoriented. I've, it's it's sad. It really is. And that, you know, you said like family curses and that triggered in my mind um, uh, like autoimmune things, like th things that are passed down, uh, diseases that where your body attacks itself. You know, it could be passed down. It could not be. What is, is what is the spirit behind those diseases, especially when it attacks kids? You know, kids are so innocent. Kids right. are. Well, I think I think there's a couple things. First, let's start with the the adult element of it. <clears throat> um, okay, she so just said it. So you, you can figure out a lot of things spiritually by what it does to you. Okay, so an autoimmune disease attacks your body. So you take like MS. It'll attack the sheath around the nerve, you know, and it's attacking. So these white corpuscles are supposed to be defending. They've turned on your body. They're not attacking. Okay, so what comes to mind is self-hatred, self-bitterness. Uh, in preaching on rejection so much, I have come to realize that rejection is one of the root issues that creates that environment. And so the one thing I pray for exclusively when I preach on rejection is autoimmune diseases. And we've seen tremendous results of people getting healed because they're dealing with their self-hatred. So you think about the body, okay? It will conform to how you feel about yourself. So, okay, so if you've got self-hatred, self-bitterness, an unloving spirit towards yourself, your body conforms to that. Now what is it doing? It's attacking itself, okay? So it's, it confuses your whole makeup. And just by breaking the power of that. Now, in a kid... I'm finding out now early on with kids, they could, they can and do have those emotions. On the other hand, they are subject to, okay, you got to understand, I don't remember if I said this last week, a child is affected 
from the moment of conception, okay? Not just birth and what happens. Conception in the mother's body. So the mother's emotions are imposed upon that child. And so there's a lot that could come out of that that a child already has a disposition toward just because of that. And without making this a real long conversation, I'll let you take that in your minds and kind of put the pieces of that, especially you in the medical field, to start understanding how that can play out and begin to really wreak havoc on kids everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a big thing um, because uh, I guess people don't understand that, like mothers or fathers, they don't understand that even though the kid, the baby is in the womb, like the baby can still feel, the baby can still understand, like not understand, but you know, there's different emotions that are put on that baby. I know, uh, like a big one is, um, you know, like gestational diabetes that can wreck a baby. You know, that can wreck the process of birth, and just different stress levels can can wreck a whole delivery. You know, so I guess understanding that is yeah, a and big think key. about stress levels. Okay, so here's a baby feeling the stress of a mother. And so the baby comes out with major immune deficiencies. Well, we're, that's all linked. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I'm not claiming to have it all figured out, but it starts making more sense as you go on. So I have a, a big manual. It's a thick manual called the Merck Manual. Mm-hmm. It's got every conceivable disease, but it's, it's totally 100% from doctors. It's not spiritual. Right. But it's amazing when you look up something. Like I, There's a lot of diseases I hear. I'm like, what is that? And I'll look it up and you start reading what it is and it kind of, you start mulling that over and you start coming to some conclusions of maybe the spiritual elements that are involved in it, you know. Mm-hmm. It's amazing the link, you know, that whole book, Deadly Emotions, that the doctor put out. I mean, he he made the link between the emotions, the hatred, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, all of that, and how it produces or opens the door for sickness in your body. And so now, you know, the medical community and even, I don't know, the science of it is confirming what Pastor Mitchell said forever. When it comes to, I know we're talking about family inherited curses. How about curses that people try to place on you? We know, I mean, I guess we kind of, kind of as, as fable like witches and no, sorcery. It's not, okay, and, let me tell you a story. Years ago when Juan and Sylvia Sistersick were in downtown El Paso, she started getting really sick, and uh, just all sorts of crazy things were happening. They had no idea what was going on, went to doctors. There was a lady coming to their church, and she'd come to every event, every outreach, everything. And and she would always give Sylvia gifts, just, you know, and they, they thought nothing of it. Well, I don't know how they figured it out, but the lady was a witch, and she had infiltrated their church, and these gifts were cursed. And that's what was causing all the issues that Sylvia was having in her body. And they figured it out. They got rid of everything, broke the curse, threw the witch out, and she was healed. So absolutely, it can, it can work. It can happen. And uh, the devil is always 24-7 looking for an access point to our lives. 24-7. And, and you'd be surprised. I don't know if you knew that a little baby mouse can get through the hole the size of a ballpoint pen. Okay, so a little ballpoint pen, they have this way of sucking their bodies in. Okay, so a baby mouse is about that big. If you're listening, what, about an inch maybe? And they can suck their bodies in. They're maybe, a, I don't know, a diameter of maybe an inch, maybe a little less. But the ballpoint pen, 
And so the devil doesn't need much of an access point to, to get involved. And I know we can over-scrutinize that, and sometimes people will come and they want to throw everything in their house away. If you're guessing, you're not hearing from God. Mm-hmm. You know, you, gotta, you really do need to hone in on it. You're guessing, you throw out your baby. Well, they might be the, yeah. you know what I mean? So, but, but yeah, absolutely, witchcraft can play a big part. Yeah. Can you speak to, uh, as a Christian, how to have a stronghold over these things? Because um, I guess one thing that, um, you know, I personally have seen is, is people, something happens to them, you know, some traumatic event, and it's just downhill from there. Like, you know, they just, I can't deal with this, I can't handle it, you know, sickness happens, and then eventually they're, you know, either passed away or they're just in a place where they can't overcome it so how do you how do you keep that uh that that stronghold and that dominion uh in your life you know as a christian well the dominion is christ in us so we all have christ in us and then get baptized in the holy spirit now you have that added power and so a lot of people are not activating the authority of christ within them and so we have to understand the kingdom of God lives in us, okay? We're the propagators of dominion. God gave that to mankind. Go and have dominion over. That's what he said. And so a lot of Christians are simply not living in that dominion, which is our relationship with Christ. It's the word of God. Uh, that's the reason why the preacher preaches the way he does, because he's trying to get people to realize where you're faltering and how you... But, you know, a lot of people... They just, they're just not going to live at the spiritual level they need to. They, it's frustrating because we all have access to the same God. We have the same Jesus that lives in us. We all have the same dominion if we'll activate that. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to simplify it because people get things that I haven't had. And, well, what would I do if I got it? Well, I want to believe that I would keep pressing on, you know. But it's all about our dominion in Christ, living in Jesus, putting on the Lord Jesus every single day afresh and anew and actually obeying and living out the word of God rather than just hearing it. And so it's not rocket science. Probably never gets any deeper than what I just said, but making it happen is the hard part. There's a story that I I don't know if I read it, heard it. I don't know. I just know I... It was about Pastor Mitchell, and someone came up to, to for prayer, and they were in some way they had a disability, but that they were giving they were getting uh, government checks. They were the government was helping them because they were disabled, and I know we had a couple that was coming to our church in Denver, and they were making it off that disability, and so I told them, look, if if you want me to or if you want to get healing and stuff, you got to get off that that check that support that you're getting from the government proclaim God's healing over your life and I know Pastor Mitchell told this certain person if you want me to pray for you if you want to have healing then once we pray you get delivered you have to get off yeah he, he asked them and he's done this on numbers of occasions if God heals you will you get off of it yeah and yeah. they said they said no yeah uh, and is I don't know I forgot who told me the story but the person said no and so Pastor Mitchell said, okay, I'm not going to pray for you. What What is that whole, why do you think he has that standard or why he tells them? Well, people aren't going to get healed with that 
demeanor. I've I run into people. I want to say infrequently, but it happens, and I know I just instinctively know when I'm up against it. When I'm praying for someone, they're saying all the right things, but they're not interested in getting healed. And when I say that, they use it as a tool, almost, mm-hmm. especially the hypochondriac type of person. That's their tool. That's their manipulation in life. That's their solicitation for attention. I just know when I'm against it. And I've I've prayed for those type of people. And, and in all honesty, I know when I'm praying and there's dominion. And I know when I'm praying and there is absolutely no dominion. And many times there's no dominion. I walk away thinking to myself, okay. They, and it's not that every person that I pray for that doesn't get healed, I say that about. It's the infrequent thing, but they're out there. And there are different reasons that people aren't going to have the faith level or even the willingness. And that's the reason why Jesus said to the man, 38 years, okay, 38 years, you'd think, hands down, of course I want to be healed. Do you want to be made whole? Why would you even have to ask that question, you know? But there's there's a makeup in us that that lends towards keeping. And then there's a whole theology out there today, and this is a hard one because a lot of Christians have it, and that is that this sickness is my cross to bear. Well, that's not biblical. Because nowhere does it say that God said, I will put none of these diseases upon you. He didn't say, well, but for this one, this is your cross. Well, as long as you have that theology, you're not going to get healed because... You know, but think about, okay, carefully saying this, but it is what it is, the hypocrisy of that. And I say that because you ask those same people, well, do you go to a doctor? Well, of course. Why do you go to a doctor? Well, to get well. Well, it doesn't make any sense. You say it's your cross to bear, but you're going to go get well. But it's a whole, it's a theology of suffering is what it is. And, And a lot of it, you know, we as preachers can't allow that because it, it will never, we'll never see a, a healing ministry initiated if we just allow. We have to always, it is the will of God. And I'll say the statement, and I can tell by the reverberations that it doesn't settle with everybody. Sickness and disease is not the will of God. I'll say it all the time. Now, many times I say that, and many will walk away that you've prayed for and didn't get healed. Well, I'm not going to sit here and try to explain all that. I just know sickness and disease is not the will of God. So what you're basically saying is sickness and disease was not, it's not God's like, here, I'm going to give you sickness. Right. I'm going to give you disease. Like God's not, that's not how he. No, it's part of living in a fallen world. Right, right, right. But he's made healing available. Mm-hmm. And even then we live in the age of technology. If all those fails, we have doctors, but we know that that there's a lot of things that, they have no cure for it. fibromyalgia. There's no cure for fibromyalgia, you know, psoriasis. There's no cure for that. What do you do? You just treat it all your life, but there's healing through Christ. I guess in, in closing, I want to ask you this question. We believe God's going to come to rapture his church soon. What is your, what is your take on what God will do spiritually it also pertains to healing as well. If we see miracles and people getting delivered from all kinds of spiritual issues, what do you? What are we to look forward to as Christians coming to this point of how our world has been just thrown upside down? And well, you know, it depends on how Christians respond to what's happening around them. If we respond, realizing the day and the hour in which we live and we are really, really looking for the imminent return of Christ, and I believe it's going to be a compelling 
in Christians that's going to lend to some very supernatural things, workings of miracles, diverse demonstrative type workings, um, certainly an acceleration. Okay, let's take the whole COVID, okay? Okay, they've got a vaccine now. All right, all of a sudden there's this talk of another strain, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, so now they don't know whether this vaccine will cover it, won't cover it. Okay, so where does it stop? So at some point, people have to get desperate and Christians have to get radical. And my hope is, and I hope for myself first, that I'm one of those that as things ramp up and we, we see the signs and we realize the day and the hour we're living, that there will be something in us that will trigger, uh, that will lend towards a very, very demonstrative, supernatural working of God that is just off the charts, beginning with souls being saved, radical conversions, I'm still waiting for Generation Z to get converted. I'm still, I'm, I still don't accept the fact that they're just washed up. They're, they're about the fourth generation in the curse, if I do my math right, which means that they're, they're prime for a revival. And so, but yet they're the most godless generation to come in the history of America. They're the, the, the least believing, the most atheistic, and so that's just my thoughts. I'm not God, I don't know, but that's where I hope it goes. Yeah, and that's, um, you know, I appreciate you coming on because healing is such a, it's a tough topic to go through without somebody that's that's a little experienced in it and has, you know, been around and, and done healings and, and really studied it. Um, so, and I know by no means, you know, you would probably say this yourself that you're still learning. Oh, absolutely. we're all still learning. You know, Pastor Mitchell's still learning when he was when he was like it's it's a fluid thing, but I mean there is potential for massive revival. Let's remember though, every one of us is called to lay hands on the sick. That's right. part of the commission. Mm -hmm. The commission's incomplete without that. We always like to relegate certain people. And then because certain people do it, we look at them as more of the guru. But that's Pastor Mitchell was very emphatic. Anything I can do, you can do. And we just happen to take them up on it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's a big thing because, you know, like you said, we kind of like, oh, well, the pastor will do it. You know, the pastor and the evangelist will do it. But, you know, we have to command healing for ourselves and with our family members and, and our friends. And so... um so yeah, thank yeah, you. Pastor. Thank you. Thank you again. Thank for, you for having me. It's, uh, I love talking about the subject. So, yeah, you, yeah. Well, I'm going over your house. You like did you do talk about healing quite a bit? But again, thank you for coming on to uh, this podcast. Um, thank you guys for listening. Again, this is Cookies and Cream. My name is Raymond Isaac, and you guys have a good day. Thank you very much. <laughs>